Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and this is another rebroadcast episode, uh, continuing with the Black, Black History Month rebroadcast uh, specials that we're running all throughout February. And this week I decided to go with the episode, one of the last episodes Derek and I recorded, and that is the episode on Steel. Um, you know, one of the running gags uh, throughout the show was we are not going to do Steel, we are not going to do Steel, and Derek had even put it uh, we'd even put it as as an option on the the poll for our hundredth episode. Sorry, my son's get acting up a little bit here. Uh, we put an option on the poll for our hundredth episode, and a lot of people said we want you to do steel. And eventually, Derek relented, and he decided that he was going to pick steel for this our last Black History Month uh, uh, superhero special. And even though the movie is objectively terrible, uh, we still had a lot of fun talking about it and ripping apart this was one of my favorite episodes that i recorded with derek so i hope you're going to enjoy listening to this one again man oh man i thought my tax dollars went to keeping these windows clean how you doing sparky great is that why you stopped writing me didn't you get my letters I got them. In the wheelchair you sent, thanks. Must be awful for you. I could imagine how you feel. No. No, you can't. You're right. I can't. I wish I could turn the clock back. Sometimes you don't get a choice about things. Shit happens. Tell me about it. Good cop friend of mine, just badly hurt by one of our weapons. They were on the streets. How's that possible? That's what I'm trying to figure out. And I can sure use your help. Yeah, I'd be a big help on the streets. I don't think so. What are you gonna do, just sit here and look out the filthy windows? Sometimes you don't get a choice about things. This here is a prime example of shit happening. No! Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I am half your host, Perry Constantine. And I am the other half, Derek Ferguson. How are you doing today, Derek? I am doing quite well, my friend. How are you doing today? You look well rested. I do, really. That's kind of surprising because I didn't really get a lot of sleep last night. Uh, I went to bed around, um, what, like two in the morning and I woke up at like seven. So, really? Yeah, you yeah. Like, you look like you got in like a full eight, man. In wow. the street. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, I don't feel tired or anything. So, that's good too. So, but um, like we talked about, we've talked about before, like uh, off air, like I, I don't really need more than like five or six hours of sleep, really. My body's yeah. kind of 
kind of adjusted to that and gotten used to that now. Yeah, same here. I very rarely uh, sleep more than five hours mm -hmm. at a time. Uh, I've been doing, like I said, unless I've been doing something physical right? or, you know, whatever. Yeah, but five hours seems to be, and it's been that way most of my life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they say when you get older, your sleep patterns change. Yeah, Why? yeah. Yeah, it's. I remember I had, a, I had a teacher in high school who, um, when he was in he was in college, he would only get like four hours of sleep a night, yeah. and his body got so used to that that now he only needs to sleep four hours a night. Yeah. yeah. Well, everybody's different. I mean, some people need eight, some people need ten. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, um, we got a we got a new trailer. Uh, since we last on the show, we got a we got to see a. a Full full length trailer of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, well, finally got to see a full length trailer, and I cannot wait. Yeah, I mean, after seeing how good, uh, see, after seeing how good a job they did with Wandavision, mm -hmm. I'm saying, okay, they're in good hands. I'm not going to worry about this anymore. They're not going to mess it up. This is going to kick ass. Right, all kinds of ass in sight. So I'm um, and and I mean did we still haven't seen Loki yet? That's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I remember the trailer that they had where he did the DB Cooper out the back mm -hmm. of the? I said, yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to see that. <laughs> this is this I want to see. You know that you know. made me actually watch um, HBO Max's documentary on DB Cooper because like really? I, I I'd never really known anything about this guy, and so then um, after seeing that in the and. In the Loki trailer, I'm like, well, I got to find out more about this. Then I watched, then I saw that HBO Max had the documentary, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I sat down and watched it. Yeah, they had made a movie, uh, I believe it was with Treat Williams. Oh, okay. Back in the, yeah, back in the 80s, The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper, where they speculated as to mm -hmm. what happened to him after he jumped out the plane. Because, you know, they never found him, and they never found the money as far as Yeah, I yeah. The, uh, yeah. The documentary has, like, a few different suspects that it, it focuses on. Or like who it might be and because some of them like a lot of these some of these people they said like oh yeah i was db cooper yeah exactly yeah so, yeah they've had a number of people that have come forward and they've said that he so of course the first thing that people say is okay well, where's the money yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know if you are db cooper then where's the money yeah 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 oh i spent it all oh yeah all right yeah bullshit goodbye <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that trailer, and we got the first look of, uh, Zemo in action in, um, and, uh, I'm, I'm really psyched to get Zemo and getting him in, in the comic book costume, no less. Man, that's a bad coat. Yeah. Yeah. They, I like that they found a way to work in the fur collar and everything. That's a bad <laughs> I love that coat and the mask and everything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Baron Zemo, don't ask me why I love Baron Zemo. I love that, you know, I've always been a big fan of characters like this. So when they showed up in the movie, mm -hmm. like Baytrock the Leaper. Yeah, yeah. I've always loved Baytrock the Leaper, simply because he's just such a goofy, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, you're kind of advertising what your gimmick is in your name, pal. Maybe you might <laughs> want to, you know, so when Captain America ducks out your way, he always goes, Zuttalors. <laughs> well, you leap. You it's in your name, dude. You, you're the leaper. So, and we're getting um, we're getting Batroc. Speaking of, he's he's going to be in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, listen. <laughs> like I said, I love the guy. Mm -hmm. When he showed up in the movie, I was like, oh, oh, that was great. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing um, 
So for me, Baron Zemo was, uh, I wouldn't really think much about him. It was until I read Thunderbolts. And particularly okay. Fabian Niciasa's um, run on the character, because he he found a way to make the character a lot more well-developed and well-rounded than he's been in the past. Like, it wasn't just, like, Nazi supervillain. It was, he actually had good reason. Like, it, his he had gone through, like, a reformation of sorts. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm a, I'm totally a good... It was his new modus operandi was, like, I'm going to save the world. But to save the world, I have to take it over. I have to take it over, right. Yeah. Which is pretty much the modus operandi of most supervillains. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, your Dr. Dooms and your, right. yeah, yeah. And your Red Skulls, who basically they all say, well, you know what? The world would run much better if I were in charge. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. they don't want to... They don't want to necessarily kill anybody because... It's no fun ruling a planet if you don't have anybody to rule over. Mm-hmm. But you know that's that's basically their modus operandi. Things would run much better if I were in charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I'm always um, Zemo. The way they handled him in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. what was it, Civil War? Yeah, they showed him in Civil War because you know what. We finally got to see a supervillain actually accomplish his aim. Yes. You know, yeah. he wanted to break up the Avengers, destroy the Avengers, and he did that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you know, you don't see this too often where the supervillain actually his his master plan, he actually pulls it off. Well, that was the thing too. Remember at the end of the movie when Everett Ross asked him, you know, how does it feel to have it all fail so spectacularly? And Zemo's like, did it? Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he really did. He he succeeded in what he intended to do. When you think about it, you go back and you think about it, you say, yeah, mm. he did. good for you, Zemo. <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel Bruhl, like, he he was just amazing. Oh, he killed um, Yeah, yeah. So he, I, he, was so, he, he was so methodical and he mm. was so logical and, you know, he wasn't Durant, he shouting, you know, making speeches kind of super good. He just c- calmly went about his plan step by step by step. By right. Step. Yeah. And I said, okay, see, this is a dangerous cat. Yeah, so I'm really this looking guy. forward to seeing how they how they handle him moving forward into this into this series. Yes, I am. I, and you know, it, it, you know, and again, that's a testament to how well they've done the MCU. When we're not only looking forward to the heroes, but the villain as well. Yeah, we especially just as much as we want to see the heroes. Right, especially because now it, it's a long longer form, so we get to and you know, Civil War was so stuffed with so many characters. It was amazing that he got as much character development that he did, but now we're going to get to get even more of it. So I'm, I'm yeah. totally on board for all that. That's one of the amazing things about Civil War. Like you said, as many characters as they had, some that just got introduced, like Spider-Man and mm. Black Panther, and they, but still everybody, you know, got their moment and it didn't feel, it's amazing how they did that with that many characters and yet the movie did not feel rushed at all. Well, I mean, also the vision, because that was like the first... Because, yeah, he was introduced in Age of Ultron, but he came in right at the end. He didn't get a whole lot to do in that movie. But in Civil War, like, I was surprised at how much vision we got. Yeah, we got a whole lot of vision. And again, it didn't feel like it was rushed. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like, okay, so, you know, well, uh, I didn't feel shorted at all. By yeah. any, You know, it was just, you know, Civil War is just an amazing piece next to, I mean, you know, the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Which I well, okay. Well, first of all, as much as I love Thor and Black mm-hmm. Panther, 
I will always tell people that the Captain America trilogy, that's the crown jewel. Yes. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, three movies of such consistent quality mm -hmm. and pacing and characterization and special effects and, you know, emotional resonance and action, you know, you and don't it broke see the, that. And it broke the trilogy curse. Right, because most trilogies, you got the first one's good, second one's the best, and the third one kind of shits the bed. This one did not have that happen. This is the one where all three movies mm -hmm. kick ass. They're yeah. all excellent. I mean, it's just remarkable. It is. And uh, I mean, I find myself a lot of times going back and just watching the Captain America trilogy mm -hmm. all at one shot, like Saturday yeah. afternoon. I'm not doing anything. I say, you know what? I'm just going to binge Captain America mm -hmm. because he mm -hmm. deserves it. <laughs> he does. He deserves that shit. You know? Yeah, it's really good. And again, like we said before, Chris Evans. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long time before they can find somebody that, that's going to play mm -hmm. Captain America. When they, like, I guess 50 years from now, they say, okay, well, we're going to do another Captain America movie, which would mm -hmm. probably take that long for us to forget Chris Evans. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just amazing series. And uh, but I want to talk about a few other things too. Is uh, we're getting closer to uh, Superman and Lois coming out, and yep. uh, some early reviews have been dropping on the internet. And the consensus is it's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been hearing from uh, various people. I know somebody actually saw a screener, and uh, they said, yeah, they said it was a lot better than he thought. That mm -hmm. it's going to be, you know, which which seems to be the consensus from everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, they say so. From my understanding, though, it's a little bit more removed from like the Arrowverse. Than, it seems uh, like yeah, there's not a whole lot of direct tie. So far. I mean, we know it's part of the Arrowverse because there was supposed to be a crossover with Batwoman that was only canceled because of uh, COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. So we do know it is part of the Arrowverse, but they haven't. It's not. Con they haven't connected anything to it in the in the premiere, at least. Well, really, that's all you need to know. Yeah, that is part of it. But I think that's what what's happening is that that's deliberate because, of course, we don't have Arrow anymore. Right. We don't have Supergirl anymore. You know. Well, we're doing. So. We, we're going to get one more season of Supergirl. So yeah, one more season of Supergirl. Yeah. yeah. But they probably so we'll probably get like one more big crossover. Right. Well, I don't know if we'll get one in Supergirl's last season just because of all the COVID stuff. Because they, they hadn't announced a big crossover. The only crossover that had been announced was between Batwoman and Superman and Lois, which was canceled because of the restrictions. Okay. So I don't think Supergirl will get another big crossover. I can't help but feel that we are because since it is Supergirl's last season, they would want to do something. Oh, I think there might be something like that. Like they might have, you know... Clark and Lois appear in Supergirl or Kara will appear in Superman yeah. and Lois or something like right. that. But yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm talking like the big, you know, uh, universe-wide crossover, like Crisis. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I No, I don't think we'll see <laughs> like that again. And you know, something really after Crisis on Infinite Earth. I mean, you know, how you how do you top that? Right, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's like trying to top, you know, the Infinity War. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, you can't do it. Um, also, uh, some other news that came out. Um, did you hear who they're, they, it, the rumor is that Keanu Reeves, because we talked about Keanu Reeves might be joining the MCU, and mm -hmm. the casting rumor right now is that uh, they're talking to him about playing Craven. 
Craven the Hunter. Yeah. Mm. I can think of some other people. Yeah, yeah. well, the, nothing, the against one... Keanu, nothing against right. Keanu Reeves. I love Keanu Reeves, mm. but I, I can see I can see other people. The the one fan casting that I've seen that I think is perfect is Carl Urban. Yeah, okay, Carl. Well, Carl Urban could play anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I see. I look at him and I can see Craven more than mm. I can see. Well, I mean, look at him in the boys. Like he looks like Craven. Yeah. And um, uh, looks like there's also going to be uh, a Powerpuff Girls live action series on uh, the CW. Why? I don't know. It's it's a weird, it's a weird series to go live action with because I mean I don't I haven't really seen it very much, but it just seems like it was, it was such a. It's it's a property that seems so tailored specifically for animation that it, it seems like a weird thing to want to do that in live action. I don't know why is it that, you know, we, in our pop culture world, we have such a hard time letting things for kids just stay for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know what they're going to do. They're going to, you know, make them teenagers and it's going to be all of this other teenager angst. BS that's going to come in here and stuff mm. like that. Whereas, you know, the Powerpuff, the animated series, was really cute little animated series, mm. you know, about these three girls that had superpowers and it was sweet and cute mm. and innocent. And it was a cute show. Yeah. You know, but, you know, uh, nobody is content to just let anything be. It's like, it's like when, um, oh, what was that show? Batman, Brave in the Ball. Mm-hmm. When Batman Brave and the Bold, when that came out, there was a lot of backlash against it because it was a lighter Batman. Right, right. Told. It was a little bit more jokey. It was a little bit more comical and stuff like that. And people had a hard time with that. And I said, well, Batman is the type of character that you could fit him into all those different types of formats. Mm-hmm. And he works. Yeah, yeah. That man can work in a comedy. He can work in the ultra serious. He can work in between, he can work, you know, like if you, oh, the movie you've probably seen it, Gotham by Gaslight. Right, yeah, yeah. He's in Victorian era and he's fighting Jack the Ripper or mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to see it, Batman Ninja. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah, I mean, Batman's that type of character. He can work in a whole variety, a lot of different mm-hmm. uh, things. He doesn't have to be locked into, you know, the Dark Knight. Right, right. Well, uh, speaking of Batman: Brave and the Bold, like I, I just watched the the first episode because now it's on HBO Max, and um, mm. yeah, and it was uh, it was a bit jokier and everything, but I went in that expecting after hearing about the show for so many years, but it was entertaining. It was definitely entertaining, and it's it was a lot, of, a lot of fun. And you know, it's so funny seeing Diedrich Bader as Bat because he voices Batman in that, but he also voices Batman in Harley Quinn, which is much mm. more of like the darker Dark Knight version of the character. Yeah, and. He's able to, do, and he does them both really well. So it's oh, really yeah. cool to see to see him do it and have both those two different takes on the character. And it's amazing that uh, he evokes the spirit mm. of Kevin Conroy without imitating Kevin Conroy. Right. I mean, which is what a real, which is what I really like. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny because I never would have thought Diedrich Bader as Batman. Right. It's no. Just, no yeah. yeah. Out of all the other, out of all the actors. That you would have told me would have voiced Batman, he would have probably been in my bottom ten. <laughs> right, right, right. Even though uh, I like him, I like Diedrich Bader a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, I do too. And uh, so it was it was really funny seeing him in that. And um, uh, so anyway, but along with that, I've been doing a lot of catching up on uh, HBO Max. So I I finished. Uh, I'm all caught up on Titans. I finished uh, season two of Titans. Um, okay. I'm almost all caught up on Doom Patrol. I'm up to like episode six of the second season of Doom Patrol. Okay. And and there's like so there yeah I've got like four episodes left of Doom Patrol. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, Titans. You know what's interesting about Titans season two is they introduced um, they introduced Bruce Wayne because he was always kind of like a background character in season one, like you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, they there's this like um, nightmare sequence or so, some kind of thing where um, uh, when uh, Dick Grayson goes after raven and trigun um he um he had he ends up having this um magic induced hallucination where he imagines like going back to gotham and batman's like gone insane and yet and so you see him fight batman but you never see it like you never see batman like in full right Mm. so um but this you know season two of titans they introduced uh bruce wayne and it was really surprising based on what we saw in season one because they have uh ian glenn playing him Mm-hmm. um and uh you know he's not who you think of when you think of batman and he appeared in the i think it was the end of the the first episode of season two and i was so surprised when i saw him like wait that's bruce wayne because it's just he doesn't look the part but as the series went on i kind of got a little bit more interested in because there's this one part where dick starts hallucinating that he's seen bruce wayne is almost like a like a con he starts hallucinating he's seeing bruce wayne and ian and there's one scene where uh dick grayson is trying to track down um deathstroke okay and he uh he goes to this one uh this one nightclub to talk to the owner of the nightclub because she has connections to uh wintergreen and it's like a burlesque show and you see ian Gl- and he hallucinates seeing bruce wayne dancing on stage and ian glenn does the batusi oh really <laughs> yeah <Okay>. yeah <laughs> That's cool. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> and uh, and it w- but it was interesting seeing him in action as Bruce Wayne because he's got this like he's this interesting mix. It's like he's almost like a cross between Michael Keaton and Adam West in some way. So it's really yeah. It was this interesting little mix because he's not you know as Dark Knight, but he does. You could see him as an older version of Michael Keaton's Batman. Oh, okay, cool. Now see, now the more you talking the more i'm intrigued i said damn i gotta say and i keep saying oh, i'm gonna watch this i'm gonna watch this and then i keep getting distracted by all the bright shiny things but now mm-hmm. that you're telling me this yeah now i definitely want to sit down yeah um season one was a lot more grounded it was a lot slower but season two they really they leaned in more into the superhero stuff right you get um uh, like when, when you get you get deathstroke in there and the you get uh they get they do an interesting take on uh jericho as well and uh, you got Ravager in there and all this kind of stuff. And it looks like season three, they're going to have uh, Barbara Gordon in it as Oracle. Um, so they've already cast, uh, actually they've cast a disabled actress to play her. Oh, very good. Very good. So yeah. So but, she- I think that, but I think that when you say that, you know, because season one was on DC Universe mm-hmm. and they really didn't know where they was going to go with this or how they wanted yeah. to play it or anything like that. I think that now that they like they know definitely okay well we're on HBO Max now and we know we got a home and yeah. we know we got to do it so now they know where they know where they want to go and what they want to do with the series. Yeah, yeah. And we also get uh Superboy and Crypto in season 2. Um 
Mm. Um, so it was really cool seeing both of them. And uh, I was surprised we got crypto. I, I knew we were going to get Superboy, but I was not expecting to see crypto in live action. <laughs> Nobody ever expects crypto. No, and, uh, and they did it. Like, it's comic book crypto. Like, it's he's got the superpowers. He flies. He has heat vision. He's got the whole thing. If you're gonna do crypto, do crypto. They man. did, and they did crypto. He doesn't get the cape though, unfortunately, but he does oh, get well, everything. Okay, okay. But yeah, it was. Yeah, does it, it have the little? Does it have the little collar with the S shield though? Um, no, no, he doesn't have the little collar. He does have like a collar, and it does say crypto on it, but he's not. A, but maybe season three will get it. Okay, because that was an animated crypto series mm-hmm. where he had the cape, and he also had the collar with the little S shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I like. So we might see that in season three. Um, but yeah, I was surprised how much they they leaned into it because they, you know, they bring in Superboy, they bring in, they mention Lex Luthor and they have Mercy Graves as like one of the main antagonists of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and we finally get the season, and the season ends with, you know, Dick finally suiting up as Nightwing. So it's... Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm looking, now after seeing that, I'm really looking forward to, to season three because they, they're going to have Barbara Gordon as Oracle, I mentioned. They're also going to have Tim Drake which is interesting because season three ended with Jason Todd kind of abandoning the Robin role and mm. they've cast Tim Drake, but they've, I don't know why they did this with him, but they're um, he's uh, he's, they basically gave him Jason Todd's backstory. Like they make him like a, a kid from the streets and everything like that. And I'm not sure why they did it. And also a little bit more problematically. So why didn't they just, so why didn't they just bring in Jason Todd? Well, they did. He was in season one and two, but he left at the end of season two. Like oh. he abandoned the role of Robin and you see him like hopping on a motorcycle and riding off somewhere. Oh, okay. um, but the, yeah, but I don't know why they gave him basically Jason Todd's backstory when Tim Drake has an interesting one of his own, but even more stranger is that they got a, they got a black actor playing Tim Drake. So I'm mm. like, why do you give him the stereotypical, you know, black kid background it, when you already had this, you know, this other background that you could use from the comic books. And, 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 you know, well, we've discussed this before. Mm-hmm. I'm really not a big fan of race switching just to mm-hmm. be doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm really not, not, you know, and I get criticized for this all the time. They said, I said, no, you know what? When it comes to, you know, creating, you know, let's create our own black heroes. Mm-hmm. Let's not take white heroes and, you know, that's your guys' heroes. You know. Well, the interesting thing about Tim Drake is he was kind of originally designed to be black. Because if you look back, the really? first, yeah, because um, I think we talked about this when we talked about Batman Returns, is that when they redesigned, uh, well, I don't know if it was Tim Drake specifically, but one of the, the first Tim Drake action figure we got was uh, was a was a black Robin, basically. I remember we were discussing that when we, when, because uh, Marlon Wayans. Right, yeah, yeah. So if you look you know. at the 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 Tim Drake Robin action figure from the the 1992 Batman Returns toy line. He's got darker complexion. He's got like the, the high top hair and everything. So yeah. yeah. And I know I get this all the time from people because they say, well, it really doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, it doesn't make a difference. Like, yeah. you know, I argue with people all the time when they say, um, Idris Elba, mm-hmm. you know, to play James Bond. Right. I say, well, no. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because James Bond is a white man. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to make him a black man, then you're going to have to change everything about him, the circumstances of his background and everything like that. And when you do that, it's a new character. Mm-hmm. 
it's a different character. You, yeah. You know, you, I, I'm not a fan of just plugging in the characters. Now, okay, now some characters, and, and see now people are gonna say, see Derek's full of shit now. So, but some characters you can do that with. Like James Gordon, you can make James Gordon a black man. Right, right. You know, he's just that type of character that you don't have to change anything about his background. Right. You know, to make him black, mm -hmm. which is, I guess, what I'm really trying to say here that in order to make certain characters black, you have to change that. You have to change their background. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm opposed to that, you know, leave their background. That's that character's background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, uh, whenever you start talking about a black Batman, you can have a black Batman, mm -hmm. but you can't have a black Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's just my thing. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm really not a fan of it, especially because you don't see a lot of it going the other way. You don't see a lot of black characters being turned white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't see a lot. You don't see, say, okay, well, Matthew McConaughey is going to play John Shaft. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't see that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it, yeah, it's one of my particular bugaboos and people say I'm crazy, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. But anyway, in the case of Tim Drake, I'm still interested in seeing it anyway, you yeah. know, even though, you know. Well, I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is going to be the first time we're getting uh, Tim Drake in live action. Mm, yeah, I've uh, never heard about him. Although, okay, in the... <laughs> Folks, you, knew, you know we were going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> uh, in Justice League, when um, there's the costume, the Robin costume, right. is that supposed to be Drake's costume or Jason Todd's? My assumption is it's Jason Todd. Because okay. um, they got the, the message from the Joker on it. So it seems like that. Right. So yeah, it seems like it was uh, Jason Todd's costume. Okay. Okay. But even so, so there was nobody who actually played him. Right? There's no... Right, nobody actually played right. him. Yeah, I yeah. I was wondering was, you know, but I guess when we see the four-hour version, we'll, you know. What did you think about the thing with the, uh, you know, the Jared Leto? Oh, you know, I saw that, the, the new image they released, and... It's much better than what we got in Suicide Squad. I mean, I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that glam rock reject. But mm -hmm. so it's a much better look. And and like I said, and Jared Leto's a good actor, right? He's, you know, he was and I said like he was really creepy in um in the little things. And if they played the Joker more like that, it would have been interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with Morbius in uh, that upcoming movie. So like and he was great in uh, what was it? Uh the the Blade Runner sequel too. Yeah, yeah, Jared Leto is a good actor. He He's is. a good actor, yeah, but it's just I don't the choices he made with the Joker were just really bizarre. Yeah, he really he really needed for somebody to just sit him down and say, "Listen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You may want to dial it down a little." Yeah, yeah. Um speaking of news, I read something today and I even wrote it down. I wrote a note. I said, "Ask Perry about this." <laughs> uh what do you think about this thing with, uh, what's the name, Josh Whedon? I was actually just about to bring that up. Um, uh, but yeah, wait. so yeah, so this was, um, I just saw this this morning, um, right before we started, where uh, Charisma Carpenter released this uh, really long statement about, um, in support of Ray Fisher's allegations against Josh Whedon, and she was saying about how, um, how like inappropriate and abusive 
he was like verbally, not physically abusive to her on the set of um, Angel, and mm-hmm. and um, and she says that you know she spent years like trying to make excuses for it and all this, uh, and she's gotten some support too. Like Amber Benson, who played uh, Tara, she also backed Carpenter's statement. She said Buffy was a toxic environment, and it starts at the top. Um, uh, Charisma is speaking truth, and I support her 100%. There was a lot of damage done during that time, and many of us are still processing it 20-plus years later. And now um, Sarah uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar has come out as well, and she said that um, she didn't share any specifics, but she said that while I'm proud to have my name associated with Buffy Summers. I don't want to be forever associated with the name Josh Whedon. I stand with all survivors of abuse and I'm proud of them for speaking out. So she was um, speaking out and she was doing that in support of what Charisma Carpenter had said. So, Mm -hmm. and that adds more weight to to what Fisher has said. Although I still don't know why Fisher isn't providing any of these details about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this before where, uh, you know, listen, dude, if you got something to say, you know, say it. Right, yeah, yeah. And stop, you know, hitting and throwing out crumbs here and there. And, you know, yeah, well, you, you know, if you got something to say, mm. you know, just say it and just let the chips fall where they may. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder if he's holding back for something. Maybe he's, I don't know, and this is just pure speculation, something that just came into my head. But I wonder if he's waiting to see how people respond to his beefed up role in Snyder's justice league. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll give him some leverage into coming back to the role. I don't know. That's just something that occurred to me. And maybe that's why he's not, you know, airing out all the dirty laundry yet. That's the only thing that I can think of mm-hmm. that he's hoping that he can have some sort of future with this franchise mm-hmm. or whatever it's going to be. And, uh, that's why he's playing it close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I mean, I don't know. Whereas you got other actors like Charisma Carpenter, who you know they're already done with Josh. We mm. they don't, you know, so they have nothing to lose by going ahead and just you right. know letting it all hang out. Right. They got nothing to lose because they're done with him. You know. Yeah. Well, it looks like everybody's done with Josh Whedon now. <laughs> the guy's gonna have a because he was taken off the um, what was it that series he did for uh, HBO. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, can't remember what it was called right now, but he was he had created the series for HBO and they had parted ways with him when all this yeah. stuff started coming out. So, uh, you know, gonna... that's something that you have to look for when you look at certain directors and actors and you see that people don't work with them again. They work mm-hmm. with them one time and then you see they, you know, like they never work with them again. Mm-hmm. It's something. Yeah. You you say, OK, well, there's something. Like, uh, what's his name, George Lucas? George mm-hmm. Lucas doesn't, because he's not a people director. You right. know, he's yeah. really got no interest in working with actors. So you don't see actors work with him again. It's not like people, you don't hear people say, well, I'm dying to work with George Lucas. <laughs> because, well, he, um, yeah. he, he famously didn't want Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. No, he didn't. No, mm-hmm. no. They don't get, a, they don't get along. Mm-hmm. They don't get along. A large part of that whole thing about, uh, Harrison Ford not wanting to come back to Return of the Jedi because the whole Carbonite thing, and I tell people this all the time, and I say, I'm not making this up. The whole thing with Carbonite was because they did not know if Harrison Ford was going to come back. Right. That's how much he hated working with George Lucas. Well, yeah, when people think of the, the Star Wars movies, like everyone 
in retrospect, everyone has this impression that it was one big saga all planned out from the start, but it really wasn't. They were doing it one movie at a time. No, he made that shit up. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. He had that lie for years that he had this vault where all the Star Wars movies. No, I mean, if you look at it, you can tell that yeah. the stories, I mean, the stories don't jive. Right. I, I mean, it really does, especially if you're like me and you watch all the Star Wars mm-hmm. movies. I mean, the, the plot holes, you could tell that he was making this shit up. As, as yeah, you know. yeah. But yeah, nobody knew if Harrison Ford was going to come back. Perfect. And this is a visual cue that I tell everybody. I say, go back and look at The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. The scene where Billy D. Williams is in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Okay. He's sitting there. Chewbacca is there. What is Billy he's D. Even- Williams? He's dressed like like uh, he's Han Solo. Dressed yeah. like Harrison Ford. Thank you. He's yeah. got the vest and the de- yeah, yeah, because he was intended to take over if Harrison Ford didn't come back. And that's why so, he didn't have. They, that's why he didn't really have a big role in Return of the Jedi because they didn't really know what to do with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They didn't know what they were going to do with him. And if it turned out that Harrison Ford didn't come back, the thing was that they were going to rescue him and throw him out of the carbonite, and he was going to be dead. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still going to have the rescue and everything like right. that, but they would, but they were going to throw him out, and you wouldn't see his face and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But they would say he was dead. They would have a funeral for him, and then bam, we move on from there. Right. But right. you know, he did come back, and you know, we got what we got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, nobody, yeah, nobody knew what to do with Billy D. Williams. You know. So anyway, um, the the charisma carpenter thing. I uh, I I'm not going to read the whole statement because it's a it's a pretty long statement. But I recommend everybody um, go look it up. She posted it on Twitter. It's been on all the all the articles about it. They have the whole statement quoted. So it's you know it's um, it's something that definitely deserves to be read. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you something about Josh Wade because I've always been of the mind that Josh Wade. This is a guy to me that bent over backwards. And to me, that made me suspicious that he bent over backwards to make himself out to be like this big feminist champion and stuff like that. Well, yeah, apparently that's because um, there's the famous quote that was circling around for years when he said that um, this famous quote where a journalist asked him, why do you, you know, why do you do these, you know, movies and TV shows focusing on strong female characters? And he said, and his response was, because you keep asking me that question. Apparently that whole thing is fabricated. Really? Yeah, that never actually happened. Okay. He, he put that out there to try and bolster his image. Mm. And when you look back at, like, Buffy was very forward-thinking in its depiction of women, but when you look back at it now in retrospect, there's stuff that is, you know, pretty iffy about it. Like, it, it's a series that hasn't really aged that well. Yeah, it really hasn't. Not like Angel. Right. Angel is, has aged a little bit better. It's a lot more, yeah. it's a bit more timeless than Buffy is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see, cause usually how this starts is when one person starts speaking out and other people start adding their voices, it's like the floodgates open. So I think we're going to be getting a lot more stories about this in the, in the days and weeks ahead. So what do you think? You think Josh Whedon is just going to, you know, like lay low for a while? And I think know, he's going to be, um, yeah, I think he's going to be persona non grata for a while. Well, I'm, Pretty sure the dude's got plenty of money, so I don't think he has to worry too much. So, uh, I mean, he's he's got Avengers money, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd be all right. And he still owns, you know, he still owns, you know, the, you know, Buffy, Angel, Firefly. He's still, you know, getting getting, uh, residuals from that stuff because they've got 
you know, they got a uh, boom studios is doing um, Buffy angel and firefly comics. So yeah. he's, got, he's got stuff coming in anyway. And, and I don't want to say that we should discontinue those stories. I think those stories have grown beyond Whedon anyway, by this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and, you know, I've probably said this before that one of the curses of our society now is because you know, we consume stuff so quickly mm -hmm. that we forget. Mm -hmm. So somebody who we, you know, vilified and raked over the coals in January, mm -hmm. by August, they're back. And we've forgotten all about what they did in January because we right. already raked somebody else, you know, half a dozen other actors or, you know, writers or, you know, directors or whatever, you know, what have you. We, mm -hmm. You know, we've moved on to the next person, the savvy. Right. So yeah, by yeah. the time, you know, certain amount of time is going back by and we say, oh, that guy, mm -hmm. what did he do again? You know, we don't even remember because right. we've forgotten because mm -hmm. we just moved it on that fast. So, yeah, I say give him about two or three years and he's going to be back with a Buffy reboot. <laughs> well, see, I know there there's a Buffy reboot being not a, I'm not sure if it's a reboot or continuation or something like that or but there there's something that they're doing something with Buffy. Like either a reboot or a continuation or something like that. Um, I don't know what the current news on that because I haven't heard anything about that probably since before COVID started. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why he just didn't do something like you know Tales of the Slayers and like every season do a different story about a different Slayer. And yeah. this way you in this way you could do one like in you know Victorian England. Well, I don't uh, think he's actually involved in the reboot at all. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's actually involved in it. Just like Disney, because now that Disney, you know, bought all the Fox properties, they've got the Firefly rights. Right. And um, they, uh, there's, there was something, I'm not sure if it's been confirmed or not, but there was something recently that they're talking about doing a reboot of Firefly. Okay. So, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. Obviously, I'm pretty sure Wien's not going to be involved in either of those projects now after all this has come out, but we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, but he'll still collect the check. He'll, he'll still collect the checks, checks. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? At this stage of life, he he doesn't want to work that hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, not like he did when Firefly was first on. He doesn't want to work that hard. Right, right. Um. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, that's basically all the all the big news I wanted to talk about. Um. So that okay. means time to <laughs> time to move into. I fucking hate you for making me watch this movie. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, you know what? Oh. I said, let's get it over with because it's been the running gag mm -hmm. since we started this thing that where I threatened people with it all the time. And you know what? I finally got tired of threatening people. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? It's not fair to keep threatening people with steel. Yeah. So I said, you know what? It's been, it's, it's been the it's been the sword of Damocles hanging over my head. Ever since this running gag started, I'm just like, one day he's gonna say we gotta watch. One day, one gonna day, pull, one day, yeah. One day I'm gonna pull the trigger, and I said, <laughs> so yeah. So we, oh, of course, we're talking about the, uh, you know, the <laughs> the alleged superhero who starring Shaquille O'Neal, Steel. Yeah. Now you know what's surprising about this is well, two things. First off, so this came out in '97, right? And I was. Let me ask you something. Was this your actual first time watching it? No, no, no. I saw it. Um, I didn't see it in the theaters, I don't think, but I did see it when it came out on VHS back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so 
This came out in 97. And so here's the thing. Like, back in the day, when I was a kid, right? You know, when you're a kid, you like pretty much every movie you watch. Yeah, exactly. You don't really, you don't really understand how to just, you don't really have any sense of what your taste is yet. Exactly. Yeah. The first two movies, I can actively remember hating the first when I saw them. Batman and Robin and Steel. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. These are the two movies that when I watched them, I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. I did not see this in the theater either. And I remember seeing it because it be it it became like a staple on HBO for a while, you know. And uh I do know it was more popular on VHS mm -hmm. than it was in the movie theaters. So, you mm -hmm. know, it became like a thing where, you know, people ran it for the kids. And, well, actually, you know. I read some, uh, the trivia on this movie. Because remember, Batman and Robin famously bombed at the box office, right? Right. Steel grossed less in its entire run than Batman and Robin made in its first weekend. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's how much, so you think about how bad Batman and Robin bombed. Mm -hmm. Steel bombed like 10 times worse. What? You know what? Because, okay, this was during the period Shaquille O'Neal was doing like a, Shaquille O'Neal was trying to be a rapper. It was such a weird, looking back, it's such a weird time when I remember, because I remember being around with this. Like you had the, you had Shaq Fu, the video game on yeah, Super Nintendo. Yeah. You had, he yeah. was doing movies like Kazam and, he yeah, was trying, he yeah, yeah, and he was—he he was like a video game star. He was a rapper. He was an actor. It was, it was. It looking back in retrospect, I'm like, how did we not realize how fucking stupid this all was? He was—he—he he was doing everything except playing basketball, which is what he was supposed to be doing. Pretty and much. It, and it's very interesting seeing how his career now is an ex, is an extension of what he was doing then, because you see him. I mean, it's it's like half a dozen different products that he's the spokesman for, for Icy Hot and for the general insurance. And okay, so we were talking about how much it bobbed. So the the budget, $16 yeah. million. Really? $16 million for this piece of shit. Guess what the worldwide gross was? What? $1.7 million. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm more surprised they spent $16 million because this thing looks like a TV movie. It is such a TV movie. And it's like, and you know, so here's the weird thing too, is um, it was written and directed by Kenneth Johnson, who yeah. has done good stuff, right? He did the Incredible Hulk TV show. He did the V miniseries. He did the Bionic Woman and all this kind of stuff. And then he does this. And, and one of the funny things, I'm watching this movie and I'm just like, I'm sitting there and I'm watching like the the annoying black kid Martin who was like every '90s cliche of a black kid. Oh, play into one. Yeah, who oh, I can't stand anyway. I, and I'm, I, I don't know. There's something about Ray J that irks me. Mm -hmm. That irks me. And I'm watching this, and actually, out of all the actors in this movie that I wish would get killed, he's the one. Not even Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal. Not even Shaquille O'Neal. Who you know what? To give him his due. He has like a sweet kind of sincerity mm -hmm. that, you know, I can go with because he's playing this straight, mm -hmm. you know, for, I mean, you know, for the most part. But Ray J, like you said, he's like the most annoying stereotype black kid. There's never been a black kid in the history of black kids. 
that existed. Like yeah. this annoying little shit. And I'm watching him and I'm thinking, I'm like, did Kenneth Johnson, has Kenneth Johnson ever talked to a black kid in his life? If you go by, matter of fact, if you go by the dialogue period, white and black characters, nobody in this movie, there's not a single believable line of dialogue in this entire movie. People simply do not talk like this. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, he took the script to, uh, he wanted to make sure that he got the dialogue right. So he took the script to people in, um, uh, what was it? He took it. He took a copy of the script to South Central, Los Angeles, and he spent a day with a group of kids to make sure the language was correct, which makes me think these kids were just fucking with him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, because, because I'm sitting there and, and I'm listening to some of the the stuff that is coming out of Ray J's mouth, and it, you know, oh, really, I just want to reach in and just strangle him, mm -hmm. you know, because he's just so annoying from start to finish. And it's, it, it, yeah, but like I said, as far as the dialogue goes, nobody in this movie talks like a human being. Yeah, it, yeah. Nobody talks. This is scripted dialogue. It sounds like scripted dialogue. And like you said, Kenneth Johnson, the only thing that I can figure is that somebody came to him and said, listen, I need a favor. Mm. <laughs> Could you write and direct this, you know? And, well, yeah, and, uh, and Quincy Jones was involved in, um, was producing this. Yeah, Quincy Jones was producing this. Well, I saw the name in the crowd. I'm like, that can't be Quincy. Not the same Quincy Jones. It's got to be a different. No, same Quincy Jones. Yeah, same Quincy Jones. I mean, like you said, it was a weird time. Mm -hmm. But uh, my understanding is that, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal is a big comic book fan, as a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, actors are and stuff like that. He even has mm -hmm. that suit, which is show shown prominently. Right, yeah. He's got the tattoo, the Superman tattoo mm -hmm. that says Man of Steel. Um, you know, so we're supposed to infer because of course they can't use the origin from the comic book and for all intents and purposes. Which is this, something I'm like, why can't you? Because this is a Warner Brothers movie and they were working on, so this shows how stupid studios were back in the 90s and how little they could, they could think about this stuff going forward because they were doing Superman lives at this time. They were planning Superman lives. So they had a death of Superman story. And the smart thing to do would have been to tie this movie into that. Well, no, they didn't want to do that because this was a vehicle strictly for Shaquille O'Neal. This right. movie was sold solely on the, you want to see Shaquille O'Neal mm -hmm. play a superhero. Yeah. That's what it was sold at. That's why it was so completely divorced from, you know, the Superman franchise. Because it's right. set in Los Angeles. It's not set in Metropolis. Yeah. You know, uh, basically you have him playing John Henry Irons, mm -hmm. who is now a military we weapons developer. Mm -hmm. And he's working with Judd Nelson, who is a hoot in this movie. <laughs> Judd Nelson's like the only one that just says, fuck it, you know, <laughs> really. Also, um, Annabeth Gish was actually, she actually does a pretty decent job. Yeah, she does, yeah. She does. Uh, and I'm going to talk about her and the relationship with mm -hmm. her and uh, John Henry Irons. But uh, there's uh, act. Well, there's really not an accident because Judd Nelson's character, who should be having I'm the movie's bad guy sign hanging right, right from the first scene we see him. I'm this movie's bad guy. I mean, his logic in that beginning scene doesn't even make sense. I'm like, why are you even turning it to the highest setting? It just... 
Well, see, that's okay. <laughs> that's the problem with this movie. Everything in this movie happens because it the script says it has to happen. Yeah, yeah. There's no character. I mean, first of all, the characterization is flat as a pancake. Oh, I mean, I think even that is doing it justice. (laughs) There is absolutely no characterization in this. The characters, and I am am flattering them by calling them characters, Mm -hmm. uh, they do what they do because it's scripted that they do it. There's no rhyme or reason why they do what they do. They do it because the script says that they have to do it. Um... Don't say I lost my train. <laughs> We're talking about the characters. You're talking about Judd Nelson, right? Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson is like the only. He's like the only guy in this movie that like says, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna, you know," because he plays this bad guy. That is such a bad guy. That's the only way I could put it. He comes right out the army after he's done killed the senator mm-hmm. and crippled you know, one of his fellow soldiers, and apparently all they do is just give him a slap on the wrist and say, okay, we'll get the hell out of here. <laughs> well, something and else is, is like, he goes, I mean, okay, if you're trying to become an illegal arms dealer, and you're going to take these experimental weapons, and you're going to put them out on the streets to attract attention of these international buyers, why would you go to the neighborhood of the guy who designed the weapons, and who knows who you are? I mean, why do you go to a video game developer? Yeah. yeah. I know, yeah I oh my God. He, and that guy that, that is like the most stereotypical 90s villain ever. I mean, okay. We see that he's, you know, moving weapons. He's selling weapons that's on the side and everything like that. But yeah, like, you know, wouldn't you like, wouldn't you go like to actual arms dealers? Yeah. I mean, say, like, okay, I got these new weapons and, you know, let's work together. Wouldn't you actually go to them? And, and why would you put them out on the streets when you could go to, like, you don't need to the, these weapons to be demonstrated on the street. You could go to any dictator and be like, hey, look at this shit. And you smuggling know, in them in arcade games is just completely bizarre. Why do you go to North Korea? Yeah, yeah. You know, I say, oh, listen, look at what I got here. Mm-hmm. I have actual United States weapon, weapons, and apparently nobody followed up with Judd Nelson after he left to make sure that, he, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, if you think about this movie, if you give any ounce of brain power to try mm. to figure out this movie, your head is going to hurt. Yes. Massively, because that's how brain dead it is. Mm-hmm. That's how, First of all, the notion that Shaquille O'Neal, a guy who's seven feet, over seven feet tall. <laughs> That's another thing. How long did you think it would take before people would figure out that you're steel? Like, there's that scene when they're interviewing the <laughs> the old couple, right? <laughs> who look just like the couple, Oswald Cobblepot's parents from Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like the most stereotypical old white couple you could imagine. Old, rich white couple. And they're interviewing them and they're like, yeah, he's this, you know, he's very tall. He's like seven feet tall, black, and he's very <laughs> polite. And you got his grandmother watching and she's just like, huh. <laughs> huh. Who do I know who's like that? Who's over seven feet but tall not only that, and he, very polite? Not only that, but he's 
he's a everybody knows he's a genius weapons developer because he's getting all these job offers from weapons developers. Even his grandmother says, "Oh, you got all these job offers. They're on your bed." So they, you got how many? <laughs> so I wonder, in in Los Angeles, how many seven foot tall black weapons developers you got walking around? I mean, <laughs> and people are. And, well, I wonder who that guy walking around in that armor, that giant in the armor could be. You think it could be John Henry Irons? No, it could be him. <laughs> it's the complete opposite of like business, where people complain about Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. okay, as Batman. I said, no, well, he's perfect because he doesn't look like he could be Batman. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the whole thing. He doesn't look like he could be Batman. So it so it works, you know. But yeah, there's only I mean, one person who could be Steel. <laughs> yeah, I'm, really. You know, they have a police lineup at yeah. one point. <laughs> and the guy says, Okay, we'll pick him out. And I mean, like Shaquille Neal is like he, <laughs> he towered over everybody else. And the guy's actually scratching his head and he's having a hard time picking, but I don't know. Maybe it could be him. Maybe, oh, Lord, well, is actually he knew it was him, but he he's like, all right, this guy's doing some good for the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that old thing: the guy's doing good in the community, the, and, you know. and that guy is. He's like, that guy is looks so much like um, Reginald Vell Johnson, but it's not Reginald Vell Johnson. Right. Yeah. That's and I kept, that's what I was scratching my head. I'm like, this is. I'm, tr- I'm watching this movie and the entire time I'm thinking, is that Reginald Bell Johnson? I'm looking at IMDb and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm devoting more brain power to that than I am to paying attention to the movie. I haven't seen this movie in like, about like 20 years. Mm. You know, this is like the first, I watched it today. And today was like the first time I watched it in like 20 years. And that, and I thought, so wait a minute, is that Reginald Bell Johnson? No, that's not him. And I had to look like close at him, you know, like a couple of times because I thought it was him at first. Mm. But uh, but they do have a they do have a lot of familiar faces like there's Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree. Oh God, it, <laughs> the Shaft joke. Oh, I was like, even Shaq looks like. Are you fucking serious? What am yeah. I doing here? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> both yeah, both him and Annabelle Gish. They like look at him like really, and and Richard Roundtree. I'm surprised that he even said that line instead of turning to the turning to the director and said. I hope you don't really expect me to say this. He does have the best line in the movie, though. What's that? Well, I'll be dipped in shit and rolled in breadcrumbs. Now, see again, <laughs> who talks like that? <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Richard Roundtree ad libbed that line. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure for some reason because that's I'm the sure only that... reaction that seems. That's the only line of dialogue that actually seems like someone would say that Richard Roundtree would actually say that. That. Yeah, uh, I, when I heard it, I said, I know he didn't say what I just thought he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, well, uh, we have Judd Nelson, we have Charles Napier, mm-hmm. who plays uh, John Iron, commanding officer. Right, yeah. You know, and he's always he's always entertaining to say. He also looks like he's having a good time. With, he doesn't have a lot to do, but what he does, he looks like he's enjoying himself. Yeah, yeah. Doing it. And of course, they set it up uh, that we get kind of like the intimation that he's going to be in the background helping 
steal, you know, in return for, you know, his assistance or whatever. Right. That is an amusing thing where he has the voice thing to make his voice sound like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when he's talking to him. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of, that was, amu that was amusing. That was one of the very <laughs> amusing bits in this movie that sorely needs amusement. Yeah, Irma P. Hall as well, who's got this weird idea to do this um, fusion. <laughs> and then she, I guess in Los Angeles, they don't have zoning laws because she just opened the restaurant in her front yard. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's got, you know, tables and chairs all over the sidewalk and everything like that. Mm -hmm. People are just sitting there having a good time eating and everything like that. So I said, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> oh. uh, and you know, <laughs> when they're, there's just so much in this movie that's just so bad. I mean, uh, I don't know where to begin. Um, and the weird little, the '90s had '90s movies had this weird thing where if there are two characters who have a close relationship, they have to have some sort of bonding gesture. Yeah. Right. So it was like him and Sparks. They do like this ET type thing where they touch each yeah, other's fingers. Yeah, yeah. The ET. <laughs> But let me say this though. So, in, and then in Face Off, you had the weird thing where everybody in the family would wipe each other's faces. I'm just like, what? <laughs> but let me say this though about that. The, okay, the relationship between John Henry Irons and Sparks. Mm -hmm. In that, okay, first of all, it's not a romantic relationship because, mm -hmm. quite frankly, <clears throat> Shaquille O'Neal is not good enough actor to pull. Up. He barely can pull off what he does in this movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, mostly he gets by on his char on his natural charm mm -hmm. and his charisma, and which he's not charming enough to to make me yeah. like him in this movie. Yeah. He's charming, but he's not say like there's some actors who have made a whole career just out of being charming. You need like Tom Hiddleston level charm to make this piece of shit work. Right, right. Some some actors can just coast on mm -hmm. these yeah. somebody. He hasn't got quite to that level yet. What I did, and like I said, <clears throat> it would be ridiculous for these two characters to have a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. But that kind of works because now we have we see a man and a woman in a movie who have a genuine friendship. Yeah, genuine yeah. friends, and you know they work together. And when she becomes crippled, he helps her. You know, with her real rehabilitation and. Uh, which is I, basically him I wanted, her up. That, re, that scene in the, re, in the VA clinic was just ridiculous, right? Because he walks in, she's all depressed. And all he has to do is punch the windows open. That's <laughs> like, yeah. like just yeah. seeing, seeing sunlight suddenly heals. <laughs> and then he picks up her wheelchair and walks out and everybody's cheering. And I'm like, what the oh, hell I love is that. going on? Oh, I love that. Yeah, the officer, the gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. The riff on the wall. He picks it up. And I swear they should have had where Love Lift was up and playing. And all of the other inmates are going in there. And they have the guy. I'm sorry, folks. That's what it was. The one guy, he only has one arm. And you can see he's going like God, this. I didn't even catch that. I was just. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, but my you know, God. You know, when he picks up the wheelchair and he walks out with it. And, uh, and I'm, like, dude, I'm sitting there and I'm watching like, you know, the wheel. You know what a wheelchair is, right? You understand the concept of a wheelchair. <laughs> it rolls. Yeah. But that's but that is just one of the so many. Kidnaps her, and he goes to St. Louis. He kidnaps her, and he takes her to South Central to this junkyard. 
And he's like, you're going to stay here now. Yeah, yeah. And he brings her to the junkyard and he opens up the bathroom. Like he expects her to really be happy about, well, we've got a handicapped bathroom for you in the middle of this junkyard. <laughs> and he and he looks at her, because she looks like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And he looks back at her like he's really, you know, what's the matter? You don't like it? <laughs> It's it's got this. There's this really creepy subtext that whole sequence. Oh man! <laughs> but, but like I said, I do appreciate the fact that they do try to take time. And Shaquille O'Neal and Annabeth Gish, they do take time to have scenes together where they try to work to build mm. a friendship between their characters. And I appreciate. You know what? I appreciate the effort, <laughs> if nothing else. I appreciate the effort. as little as it was. Oh, but it's yeah, but it's. And that and the thing with the wheelchair, that's just one of the many ham-fisted things. Like the fact that every 10 minutes in the movie, he does a thing where he tries to shoot a basket. Oh god, a yeah. basket, and he misses. That was because I remember that was a thing going on in the in the 90s because Shaq was terrible at free throws. Right. And they, and they make it, they make it a plot point at the end, right? When he has to throw the grenade and Ray J has to teach him how to shoot a free throw to throw get rid of the grenade. And I'm saying, wait a minute, this must be the only hand grenade that's got a 60-second fuse. Because <laughs> he's actually telling him, okay, well, bend at the knee. First, he picks it up, and he holds it for about 10 mm -hmm. seconds while he's looking for it. And then, and then, okay, then he hands it to him. And he says, okay, well, bend at the knee. Okay, and remember your follow-through. Plus, don't and, they have a door right there? I mean, at the time it takes Ray J to teach him the free throw, they could have run out and thrown the grenade somewhere else. Oh, for Pete's sake. And then <clears throat> the grenade blows up. <laughs> they bust out of... Okay, now they bust out of the place. Mm -hmm. They bust out of the place. They're on the street. And Ray J screams out, Hey, you're my brother, aren't you? You're my brother, just... <laughs> Yeah, no shit. I said, you know something? If this was a, if this movie was a person, I would be slapping the shit out of it right now. And he asked if he could be Robin, and I'm just like, oh god. Yeah, I mean, like, really, kid? It took you that long to figure out that you know this is your brother. Yeah, cousin, I think. Cousin, brother. Who, yeah, yeah. Who, that, the the relationship is just so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> It's just such a weird thing. It's like, you know, Shaq's like, what, like 35, and he's got like a 10-year-old little cousin or something like this. It's just... Yeah. But, give him his credit, he looks good in this movie. He looks good, yeah. Um, looks the armor, not so much. <laughs> you can clearly tell that it's a, it is a rubber suit he's wearing. Like, the, the cowl is, the helmet is like folding off at the sides. Yeah, and you can see that it's actually flapping in some mm, scene. Yeah, you know, the little yeah. flaps on the side. They didn't even take the time to mold it to his face. And I noticed yeah. in the in the opening credits, they actually credited the guy who designed the suit. And I imagine the guy in the theater watching this and just shaking, please don't tell people I made this piece of shit. Please, please don't tell people I made this. <laughs> because, folks, first of all, we're not talking about Iron Man level armor here. Basically, mm -hmm. it that's what it is. It's just a suit of armor. Yeah. Now and he's got like... It's such a weird suit of armor because his hands are completely unprotected. And it looks like he's got like chain mail. Yeah, yeah. He's got like chain mail underneath and up. And his yeah, and, and, the lower and half of his face is completely ex like you know you're going up against experimental weapons. Don't you think it might be good to have a full face mask? 
Yeah, just right, exactly. But again, it's the thing that the movie's being sold on Shaquille O'Neal, so we can't have right. this yeah, yeah. cover it up. Uh the only offensive weapons, okay, he's got the thing because there's there's one part where he catches the guy that robs the old white couple. Mm-hmm. And he shoots the bolt out of his wrist to put him up against the wall. And then he's got like this wire that pulls him up. And at one point, Annabelle Gish says, you know what? You're wearing a suit of armor that's 75 pounds. (laughs) You know, that's when he tries to jump from one roof to another. You know, there is no offensive weapons and everything is in his hammer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's got like, you know, the sound... A cannon. The sonic cannon thing, and then right. it's got the, it's got the electro. It activates the electromagnet in his. Which yeah. is, why would you have the hammer magnetized you? Because he turns it on, the hammer sticks to his chest. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I said, folks. This is not you know we're not talking about Iron Man here. Also, I remember the the scene at the end, the climax when he tells Judd Nelson, he's like, "Oh, don't turn the red thing." And Judd Nelson's like, "I'm going to turn the red thing." And it, I mean, it's just the dumbest fucking climax ever. <laughs> Judd Nelson, you know, he makes Wiley Coyote look like a genius. <laughs> and you this know. guy's supposed to be a military scientist. Yeah, and that's what kills me. Him. He tells him, don't turn the red handle. And he looks at it and he says, well, you know I got to turn the red <laughs> Really? You know what, see, I can buy Annabeth Gish as a military engineer. She, yes. I cannot buy Shaq or Judd Nelson as military engineers, especially not the way they play these characters. Not the way they play in... <clears throat> Judd Nelson in another movie mm-hmm. because Judd Nelson can't play intelligent if he has mm-hmm. to. This movie he is not required to play intelligent. So he just goes the other way and he just says, well, I'm just going to, you know, just be goofy. Mm-hmm. Everything like that. Like in the scene where he, ki- where, okay, the guy that he's supposed to be working with, he kills her assistant. And just, and that's it. We have no explanation what happened after that. Didn't the guy ask, well, what happened to my assistant? <laughs> well, I dropped her down in the elevator shaft. And, and the elevator blows up. When it, I'm like, what the hell was... What kind of building has... It reminds me of, you know, these scenes in The Simpsons where they make fun of it when, like, you know, a car crashes and all of a sudden it explodes? Yeah. And it's supposed to be a joke that because that, that's not really what happens. But that's, what, that's exactly what happens in The Simpsons that's exactly here. exactly what happens here. We have... We have a character that we never find out what happens to her. Mm-hmm. Remember the scene where they're in the police car? Yeah, yeah. And then they go to investigate now why a police officer is taking civilians to instead of just opening yeah. up the door, instead of saying, listen, get out, I gotta yeah, go yeah, investigate. Yeah. Instead she goes, she, <laughs> she takes them along with her and then, you know, uh, the street gang led by Hill Harper. Another excellent actor who apparently uh, owed somebody a favor, which is why he's in this movie. Uh, I'm guessing Quincy Jones just called in a lot of favors for this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I think it is. A lot of a lot of the actors that that are on here. I mean, you know, the black actors mm-hmm. and Richard Roundtree and Hill Harper, and uh, you know, there's a few others. That's what I think happened. Yeah. He called them up and said, listen, I need a favor. Yeah. And they said, okay. But and after this, they're probably just like, you know what, you can lose my number now. This female, uh, this female police officer who 
from the dialogue that the little bit of dialogue that mm-hmm. we did, you know we figured that they know each other from the old neighborhood mm-hmm. she gets caught in the crossfire and uh john henry pulls her out, out of the police car and he tells ray j to call for an ambulance mm-hmm. or but after that we she disappears we yeah. never find out if she died and she recovered from her injuries you know nothing so it's like halfway through this movie, they realize, oh wait, Annabeth Gish can be can play the the female character. So we don't need her now. No, yeah, no, we don't need her. And that's what it felt like. It felt like she was like supposed to be like a backup female love interest slash best friend. Or even they could have used her as a motivation for why he becomes steel because mm-hmm. she gets killed by yeah. you know, these weapons that he created. Right, yeah. So they could have used that as a motivation, have a funeral scene, and he says, okay, well, I'm going to make sure does, this doesn't happen. They killed my friend, mm. and it was, you know, my weapons that did it, and I'm going to make sure that. Instead of just, because mind you, these guys are just robbing shit. They're just <laughs> carrying on cranky and robbing shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, then Shaquille O'Neal, and for all of his height, the guy is seven feet tall. He's simply not threatening at all. No, that's the funny thing. It's like <laughs> in the scene with like him and Judd Nelson are having that face Judd off. Judd Nelson the is more threatening. Exactly. Than yeah. <laughs> Judd Nelson is more intimidating in that scene. The only Judd time Nelson, the Judd Nelson is- comes up to his navel, <laughs> he looks up at him, and I'm and and Judd Nelson has me more convinced he can kick his ass. <laughs> the only and ironically enough, the only time that Shaq comes off as intimidating is when he's carrying Annabeth Gish out of the VA hospital. That's the only time he's intimidating. He goes into the, you know, den of thieves with Hill Harper and mm-hmm. all the, and he's going in, he's trying to, he's trying to throw guys, and they're looking at him like, man, if you don't take your big ass out of here, we just, <laughs> you know, then he, really, I mean, when you see a seven foot guy coming to play, you're supposed to stop and back up and everything Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. I mean, they're laughing at you know, he's as I threatening mean, as he's as threatening as Andre the Giant in um, Princess Bride. In Princess Bride, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, and that's a problem when you have your main character. You want to present him as being, mm-hmm. you know, tough and mm-hmm. you know he can handle himself. He's out, uh, Jacob. I was actually scared he was going to get his ass kicked in there <laughs> for a while. You know, I'm thinking out Kevin Hart, tiny little Kevin Hart, would be more intimidating than Shaq. Kevin Hart. Yeah, because Kevin Hart, once he starts jumping up and down, he's like, you know, dude, you know, you will go because you don't know which way this little guy's going. Yeah, that's a major problem in this movie. What was that in uh, when he was he had that cameo in Forty um, Year Old Virgin mm-hmm. when him and the and the other guy are in the he's he's they're just trying to get the discount. Uh-huh. And he's he's like he's like talking shit. You're like he's more threat. Kevin Hart is more threatening in that one scene, which yeah. is played for laughs. Then Shaq yeah. is in this entire movie where he's supposed to be playing it seriously. Yeah, yeah, he, he and and like I said, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you have, I mean, just by the fact of his height, he can't intimidate anybody. Well, also Shaq. that that scene where they stumble upon the bank robbers, and it's got the most dumbass foot chase sequence I've ever seen in a movie. You know what? <laughs> I was actually kind of impressed he can run that fast. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like watching. I'm like, this is like the slowest, most ridiculous chase scene I've ever seen. 
and he's jumping over, he's jumping over fences and he's climbing over. I said, wow, he's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, because it's obviously him doing it. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they can't get anybody. To- that was true. They couldn't find anyone who was tall enough to be a stunt double. The, the stunt double. Yeah. So I give him credit for that because it's obvious he's doing his own stunts. Yeah. And he's and he's doing them reasonably well. You Something know? else, like after he catches up to the guy. He gets shot with one of these experimental weapons that can pierce a tank, and he's fine. And he's fine, yeah. We see him in the next scene. It's like, you know, the guy shoots him dead in the back. Bam! Oh, shit. And he goes down. The cop, who was barely injured, ends up in the hospital. He gets shot point-blank range in the back, and he's fine. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Again, things Why does this guy even need armor now? That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) Word, you know, (laughs) things happen in this movie because the script says they're supposed Mm -hmm. to happen. Not that they have any kind of logic whatsoever because there is nothing logical about this movie. Where did they get the time and money to build the, you know, the Batcave Mm -hmm. that opens up, you know, that's it. I mean, okay, you can build that, but you can't build a decent weapon system into the armor. And the cops, these are like the dumbest cops ever, right? Because they, they're following right behind him. And it's like, gee, do you think maybe he went into that big mysterious junkyard with all the... With... Oh, they're Keystone cops. Yeah, yeah. and the, they've even got the, the guy, the helicopter flying around. It's like, oh, there's nothing to see here. Oh, nothing to see here. Then nothing but... And Richard Roundtree, when they, he says before, oh, all they're going to see is just nothing but a big old junkyard. And the cop says the exact same exact thing. Exact same thing, he's yeah. Flying up there, he says, oh, this, okay, what do you see? Nothing but a big old junkyard. I said, please, you, are you, are you shitting me, really? So, yeah. It's, it, it, you know, I'm watching it and I'm just saying, you know what? I'm trying to find something good to say about this. The only, okay, this is the only thing good I can say about this movie. This is a good movie to give to because it's a family friendly superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It is. It's very family friendly for all of the violence that's going on and everything like that. There's no, there's no like real violence, and I mean, there's no blood. Right. You know, there's no bad language. You know. Well, even the 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 cop even says, "Where did that son of a buck go?" And I'm just like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. This is a movie, you know. Oh, I'm wondering why this was rated PG-13 because it, it, yeah, it's very much a PG, yeah. you know, movie. Yeah, but however, as sophisticated as kids are today, this would still even probably put them to sleep. They I think so too. Would, yeah, especially now that they've got so many other options now. Yeah. It's not like back in the day when, you know, like you said quite accurately, you know, where, uh when it came to superhero movies, you had to take what you got mm-hmm. because there wasn't yeah. that much out there. Yeah. To pick. You know how bad this movie is? This movie is so bad that if you, that I do believe maybe uh, you've been on, you know, the hub lately mm-hmm. on the HBO Max. They have Catwoman. They don't have this. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> the first thing <laughs> I did. How bad, that is how bad this is. That was the first thing I did. I, I went to HBO Max because I figured, well, it's a DC movie. It's this movie was made by Warner Brothers. Chances are it's on HBO Max. They got Catwoman. They won't put this on there. They, 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 won't, they will not put this on there. How bad do you have to be where they would rather have Catwoman rather than Steel? That's how bad it is. Apparently, I don't even... 
this I don't even think this is available on DVD. It's on Prime Video, but yeah, it's on Prime Video. It doesn't seem to be available. And I saw another review that some people did because I was doing some research. I saw another review that some people did on uh, Comics Alliance, and they said that we couldn't find a DVD for it. We had to go back to the VHS copy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this is definitely a movie that like Warner Brothers and even Shaquille O'Neal would prefer that you don't. You know, there's you a, never hear him talk. You never hear him talk about it. There's a know. Shaq Fu remake video game. He's more proud of Shaq Fu than he yeah. is of this movie. Yeah, yeah. This is just like a movie that Warner Brothers like kind of wishes that it would just like go away and nobody would talk about it again. Yes, yeah. Because it is so far removed from anything. And and you know me, I always say, you know what, I always tried to say, well, you know what? Nobody sets out to make a bad movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're sincere about what they're doing. And, which is the only thing, good thing I can say about this movie, folks, is that, yeah, you see that there is some sincerity in this. Mm -hmm. But it, but it's just so ineptly made. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> okay, the main thing that it had going for it, which you pointed out, the main thing it had going for it was the link to the Superman Yes. Yeah. Michael. And they cut that off. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, now you don't even have that. So what you have now is that you basically have a story about a vigilante giant in a suit of armor <laughs> stomping around South Central, yeah. you know, with a bunch of crazy, goofy characters doing a bunch of crazy, goofy things. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And, you know, that's it. Uh, folks, all I can say is that if you've seen Steel, then you know exactly what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. If you've never seen this, I am going to unequivocally give a stamp to it and say, do not watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Please this... don't. Don't don't watch. No, don't. There are plenty of movies that I would tell you to watch for one reason or another. There is absolutely no reason at all to watch Steel. We've done what, like 50 some episodes now? And yeah. In that time, we've watched a lot of movies that a lot of people think are, are terrible, right? We've watched Batman and Robin. We've watched uh, and Robin. Swamp Thing. We've watched uh, Nick Fury. and A lot of movies that people have a lot of complaints about. And, you know, some there's reason to have complaints about some of them. In that time, there are only two movies I can honestly say have no redeeming qualities. This one and The Spirit. Of yes. the ones we've covered so far. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to go on a limb here. If you gave me these two movies and you put a gun to my head and said, Dirt, you have to watch one of them, I'd watch The Spirit. I would too. Because at, at least the spirit, at least the spirit is visually interesting. And at least you got Samuel L. Jackson chewing all the scenery. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'd watch the spirit. Yeah. And bad, bad as it is, but at least it's eye candy. I can look at it and mm -hmm. I can say, okay, well, it's got the you know, the interesting visuals going on, the special effects, and uh Eva Mendez, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, as you well, say, Paz Vega as well. You got it, and um, Scarlett Johansson. So right, yes, yeah, exactly. You got all that going for you, mm -hmm. and and I mean, you know, yeah, and you have Samuel L. Jackson, like you said, chewing up the scenery. Mm -hmm. Also, so something least, else that. So at least there's that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something else I just thought of is he gets this job in the foundry, which is so weird, because even if he doesn't want to develop weapons, he's a genius engineer like those skills are transferable to other things yeah why is he working in a foundry yeah and it, 
you know, you think like maybe he's working in the foundry. So, cause that's where he's going to build the arm, but the foundry never comes up again. No, he's he only builds, in, he in the junkyard. He's only in the foundry. And then you've got these, these uh, two hot young women just randomly walking around the foundry. And, and okay. They're dressed like they're on their way going out to the club. Yeah. And only, but they got these cute little hard hats <laughs> on their head, you know, that why are you walking through a foundry <laughs> in five inch stiletto heels? Walking through the foundry on their way to the club, I guess. I guess it's oh, a shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, this is the shortcut to the club. Or maybe it's like the, um, do you remember that episode of The Simpsons when uh, Homer's worried that Bart might be gay and he takes him to Steel Mill and it turns into a nightclub? Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the steel mill from that episode maybe, of Simpsons. I don't know. Maybe that's what's going on now. I mean, you, in this movie, there's so much illogical shit that happens. It would not surprise me. Now, what would have been more interesting and would have made more sense is that in the next scene when he says, "Okay, he wants to get a job," in that we see Shaquille O'Neal in a suit and tie going to the same company that mm. Judd Nelson goes to looking for a job. Well, you know yeah. what? I want to use my skills to bring joy to people. I want to design games, mm-hmm. you know, for kids and stuff like that. Which having the both of them working there at the same time would have made for a more interesting plot development than anything else that we Although get. it still would be ridiculously coincidental. It would be ridiculously coincidental, but like you said, it would make more sense for him to go put those skills he has mm-hmm. to yeah, some yeah. use and stuff like that. Why would you go work in a... Yeah, why are you going to work in a family when we... We just had a scene where your grandmother tells you that your whole bed is covered with job art. And this is like the weirdest foundry ever because apparently they've got no, he can just take off work anytime he wants because he spends all his time in the fucking junkyard. We only see one scene where he's in the foundry. Well, two. Two, yeah. One where we see him originally and then one where he's on the phone to St. Louis. Yeah. And one of the chicks on her way to the club, she gives him, I guess that's his check. I don't know. She, yeah, yeah. she gives him a piece of paper. We don't know what's on it. He, and then he, he just hops on a plane, goes to St. Louis, kidnaps Annabeth Gish, takes her to the junk, and we never see or hear of the foundry ever again. We never see or hear of the foundry again. Which, which again, like you said, you logically would think, okay, well, he's going to build a suit of armor there. You know? Yeah. No, he builds it in the junkyard on an anvil. Well, yeah, and two, and also like Richard Rountree's character just comes out of nowhere as well. It's just like she, he just takes her to this junkyard. He's like, oh, by the way, here's my uncle Joe. He has this junkyard and we're going to build a suit of armor. Yeah. And he's got some, some computer part that he, I guess that's uh, the script's way of telling us that he's a genius too, mm. because he tells her, oh yeah, well, this is a, you know, high max mm. 86, with a six gigahertz processor and everything like that. And then he makes a sly reference because she asked him, she said, Well, where'd you get it from? He said, Oh, well, things fall off the truck all the time here. <laughs> you know, just make a note here, just make a list of what you need, and you know, we'll find this stuff. So, in other words, you're stealing this shit. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really what you're doing. Which again, if we had seen that he was like a master thief mm-hmm. that was like stealing all these computer components and everything, that still would be more interesting than what we got in this movie. Yeah. No. Yeah. And also, I remember the, the scene at the beginning when he he lifts the concrete off of Sparks, mm-hmm. and it's they linger on that scene for so long, and mm. Shaq's face, when he looks like he's trying to strain again, it looks like he's taking the, the biggest shit of all time. Yeah. Again, it's another <clears throat> scene where 
it's this he's this big guy mm-hmm. and you're supposed to, because in the comic books uh john henry irons you know he's such a big guy that his strength is almost near superhuman anyway yeah you know but you don't get that in this thing that because like you said they linger so long on him like trying to strain this mm-hmm. piece of which is a big piece of concrete okay admittedly but it's not I don't know. There's something not right about that shot. Like you said, they just linger on it too long. Yeah. And he's not a good enough actor to convey um, effort without strain. Yeah. Like he should look like he's having an effort to look it. But like you said, it looks like he's trying to, you know, he's having like this bowel movement that he's really. <laughs> which is which is kind of telling you what kind of movie you're going to get. Right. Yeah. That, that my, the, my theory is like that is him about to shit out this piece of shit movie. He's simply not that good actor. He's no. not. Yeah, he's no. not that good actor. I mean, you see him today, he's doing these little 30-second commercials, which is, to be, to give him his due, that's the extent of what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which is why he never made any more movies. See, I think he made, I think he made three movies. There was top. this, there was Kazam, and there's, I'm pretty sure there was some other ones, but I'm having, I'm yeah, blanking on them now. Yeah. That was it. He made three movies, and that was it. Because, yeah, he's simply not an actor. No. Fred Williamson, Fred Williamson, he's not. He's not even Jim Brown. No. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, he's been in a lot of movies in, like, small parts, but I think... Yeah, yeah. Kazam he's and... Cameos. Yeah, yeah, he's done a lot of cameo stuff. Um, but I think the, Kazam and Steel were the only ones that he was really supposed to be, like, these, these were supposed to be, like, his his star turning roles but i mean he couldn't even get like hulk hogan type of acting career <laughs> out of his fame oh uh, okay know what he was good in that i saw a couple of years ago there's a movie called uncle drew uh-huh but he played a basketball player oh yeah so it wasn't like a stretch right for right. him in that yeah it wasn't it wasn't like a stretch now he was good in that one because mm-hmm. again like i said he's playing a basketball player yeah hulk Ho- okay hulk hogan wasn't an actor either, but he had something that Shaquille O'Neal doesn't have. First of all, Hulk Hogan knows how to be threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, he could do that. And mm-hmm. I would I would say that arguably, based on he had more of a fan base than Shaquille yeah, yeah. O'Neal. He did. He well, was, also as wrestling is there's a lot of acting involved in that too. Right, exactly, exactly. So like Hulk Hogan know, had that like manic stare and intensity that would that it it can be fun to watch. Right. Jack doesn't even have that. Like he's got nothing other than yeah. He's got yeah. really nothing at all to offer. And yeah. And like you said, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, you're right. Professional wrestling is a certain level of acting that you've got to bring yeah, to yeah. that anyway. So uh yeah. So Hulk Hogan, uh yeah. So <laughs> Because, yeah, he's got nothing to fall back on here. And like I said, he tries to carry the movie with charm and charisma and sincerity. And to a certain point, it works. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some scenes he has, you know, with the woman that plays the grandmother. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sweet, mm-hmm. and, you know, and sincere. But I, I, I didn't feel it. For me, it just felt too. What's the, what's the word? Like, 
it felt way too like fam yeah it felt like way too family sitcom level sincerity well, and it's just like and well yeah dialed up to 11 yeah well and I, so that's why I, it didn't that's why it didn't work to me it's just like i i just found myself rolling my eyes at all those scenes well as we both said early on this is basically a tv movie this shouldn't it this is, should yeah. have never been first of all this should have never been put in the theaters this should have been put on you know like saturday morning yeah i'm wondering what where did that 16 million dollars go <laughs> So listen, somebody put that shit in their pocket and walked away. They did. Somebody, somebody took, put a big chunk of that money in their pocket mm-hmm. and they just walked away because it's not on the screen. No, definitely not. It's not. I've seen movies made for half of that much that looked like it was made for two or three times. Yeah, that much. Yeah, you know. It, but it's not. It is definitely not. It's definitely not in this movie. This is like one of those movies that they made. Like I mean, you know. Somebody got a tax break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what this movie feels like more than anything else. Somebody made it as a tax, as a tax dodge, or to launder money, <laughs> or, or you know, yeah. So yeah, somebody's got to have a look into Quincy Jones's finances, see what he was trying to hide. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but yeah, this. Yeah, I, because he and no, and even though this movie was filmed in Los Angeles, you don't really see a lot of recognizable locations and stuff like that. You see like a shot here and there of, you know, the skyline, stuff like that. But you know, like usually when you film in like Los Angeles or New York or something, you see recognizable landmarks or something. And I've never seen Los Angeles so fucking empty. There's like nobody, there's like no extras in this movie. It's a, it's a curiously depopulated uh, Los Angeles. It reminds me of, uh, what's that movie? Um, oh, um, you know, um, oh, excuse me, The Warriors. Mm-hmm. You ever seen The Warriors? No, no. Okay. Basically, you don't see anybody in the movie except for the cops and the gangs. Oh, okay. That's it. There's nobody else. You know, New York is like curiously depopulated. In the Avengers movie, and I'm talking about the one with uh, Mrs. Peel mm-hmm. and uh, John Oh, Steve. okay. Yeah, yeah. London, you don't see anybody. Mm. You know, it's curiously the pop. Yeah. The, well, also, like, um, the Burton Batman movies kind of, especially the first one, had kind of that where it's like because it was all on, it was all filmed on set. Like, there's not a whole lot of extras in that movie either. It's a very yeah. populated Gotham City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you don't see a lot of people. You don't see street scenes. No, no. Like when people just walking around, which you usually do see, and you have like these montage shots of people going to work and. You know, hanging out in the park. Well, and, even in the know. even in the foundry, right? I think like Shaq and those two women going to the club are the only ones who work in that foundry. You see a couple of guys in the background doing <laughs> yeah. something. You don't know what they're doing, but they're like way and they're way in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see. It's a curiously depopulated Los Angeles. There's yeah. not a like I said. Somebody took a big chunk of that money, and you know they walk with it. Mm-hmm. And also, there's the scene too where Shaq breaks the phone. <laughs> right, he's on the payphone. He just slips. He breaks the damn payphone right off. The... For no reason at all. For no reason at all. And then also, and then, and then there's one guy on the street that stops mm-hmm. and looks at him. One guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just get a you got a giant here who just breaks a public payphone, and it's just like okay, whatever. Yeah. And also, the military. Right at the end, they come in and arrest Burke. I'm like, what? 
how is the military operating on, on uh, U.S. soil? They're not allowed to do that. Well, did they ever find them? Because I, because yeah, they get them at the end, I think, or they come in at the end at least, and they arrest some yeah, they people. Come in at the end, but I think he gets killed because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles Napier makes reference to something like, "Well, they're still, you know, picking up his teeth." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Because remember that. Because remember that he had because. He fires the massive cannon mm-hmm. that's on top of the Humvee. Right, and, right, yeah, yeah. And, and steel turns around and it bounces off his back, which is the stupidest way of killing <laughs> a, a villain I've ever seen in a movie, yeah. except for Moonraker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hits the thing and it drops on him. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Loads and everything like that. Yeah. So he's dead. Yeah, but I still don't understand how the military is even operating on foreign soil like this. It just doesn't make any sense. And how? Again, everybody is so fucking stupid in this movie because Charles Napier never thinks, gee, maybe the weapons developer who warned me about Burke is the the seven foot tall black weapons developer who warned me about Burke. Maybe he's connected some way to the seven foot tall black guy in the suit of armor who's going, who just stopped Burke. Unless in this universe, you got a whole bunch of seven foot tall black guys in armor just stomping around South Central. That's, you yeah. know, this is, this is the only way. Okay, <laughs> this is even better than what people always complain about. They always complain about, well, I don't see how, how Clark Kent can get away with, you know, just wearing just mm. a pair of glasses and nobody knows he's Superman. I, I don't see how John Henry Irons gets away with nobody <laughs> hooking him up with, well, do you think he could be Steel? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't see it. You know? Really? I mean, what? Well, what? Well, I mean, you're well. You think just because there are these two seven foot tall black guys that they got to be the same person? Do all seven oh, foot tall racist. black guys? Yeah. Oh, that's racist. Now, no, <laughs> racist. Oh, every seven. Oh, every seven foot tall. Black. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh. I see where you're going with this. So every seven foot tall black man wearing armor has got to be. <laughs> oh, man. Also, I love when oh. he's riding up the escalator that comes out of nowhere. After he oh, <laughs> he steps on the escalator. Like The escalator comes out of nowhere. He, comes, <laughs> he hands them back this stuff, that person, everything like that. And, I, and, you know, listen, on behalf of the city of Los Angeles, I like to apologize for this, and you know, you take care of that. And he steps on the escalator that was not there yeah. ten seconds ago. That escalator, went, and he just glides. <laughs> oh, I cracked up. It's like you had. I think what happened is, I imagine they're they're getting there and they're filming this scene, and they're like, okay, so this is the scene where he flies away, and someone else is like, well, wait, wait, no, no, we don't have flying in the budget. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> Bring in an escalator. <laughs> right. Because I actually rewound it. That escalator was not there in the previous scene. They said, well, we got to do something. And yet, well, he can't fly. He, and he steps back on, he just glides. And they're looking at him, they're going. <laughs> Even they don't know where the fucking escalator came from. <laughs> the man's looking at his wife like. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> oh man. It, but you know, it's good we can laugh about this. <laughs> you gotta laugh because otherwise you gotta drink. It is. It's, it is. It's I mean, eleven yeah. o'clock in the morning. It's too early for that for me. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen. Uh, 
I can't I, listen. <laughs> I will never watch this again. Oh God. But you know what? While watching it, I had a good time laughing. <laughs> I did. I had a good time laughing. I'm just sitting there and uh, that scene with, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember watching that. I said, wait a minute, where did the escalator come from? And I rewound this yeah. that escalator was not there 10 seconds ago. You know what's funny? What I had they, they had to move location, they had to find an escalator. Mm-hmm. And okay, well, you just step back and just go up. So when I when I started watching this movie last night, I had um, uh, Kotano was off doing something in the kitchen or in the, in the other room or something. So I was watch I was looking after Helena and I'm holding her. And as soon as the movie starts, I look down at her and she's looking up at me. She's like, "Are you fucking serious?" <laughs> Even the kid knew. Yeah, and I'm telling her I'm like, and because you know newborns they don't really have any long term memory. So I looked down at her. I'm like, I really hope this isn't your first long term memory. Oh no. And then uh, Kotano comes in and she's, and you know, she starts, sits watching part of it. And she's like, she's like, do you have subtitles for this? I'm like, no. And trust me, you don't, you're, 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 you're glad. Yeah. You don't want to watch this. You don't want to watch this. Trust me. You don't oh. So that was Steel. And that was Steel. And you know, it's, it's so disappointing that we haven't gotten anything else because Steel is a legitimately awesome character in the comics. Yes, he is. He is. He's, he, he is one of my favorite characters. And I can only hope that sometime in the future somebody will make a movie that will do this character justice. Well, you know, now that we got Superman and Lois, I think that would be the per and you you've got stuff opening up on the WB. I think now would be the perfect time to introduce Steel uh yeah. and through Superman and Lois. Mm-hmm. Cause you know we can we, only hope. We I, can only hope. I mean, I'd much rather see them do like a Steel series than whatever the, the Black Lightning spin-off is with um what's his name? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really curious character to pick to do a spinoff. Yeah, with, instead of like I mean, you know, one of the daughters or something. Yeah, like that, which yeah. Is, which is what you would think would be the natural, logical thing. Is, you know, that's that's kind of weird. I, it is, yeah. Or do like an do like an outsider series and have um, Cress Williams continue on as Black Lightning and bring in um, uh, what's her name who played Katana on Arrow. Yeah. That would be that would be a better idea as well. Yeah, that yeah definitely would be a better idea. There's half a dozen better ideas that I can think of than yeah that one character. I, but then again, this is why I don't work in TV. Mm, yeah, but you know, hopefully we get something. You know, honestly, if anybody from DC is listening to this or watching this on YouTube, Christopher Priest did a, a run on did a steel solo series back in the nineties. And it's never been collected. It's not available like anywhere. So put that shit out in a put out some trades with that thing. Yeah, yeah. Because in the, because the character that we get in the comic book is almost like a Tony Stark type right. character. Yeah, he builds the ironworks and he becomes like the weaponsmith, you know, to the Justice League and stuff like that. you know, so he is he he is legitimately an awesome character yes. with a with a tremendous amount of potential if you put the time and money and decent writers and directors into it yeah a steel series could be fantastic yeah yeah so that was steel um <laughs> i'm going to have to drink after i'm done with recording this Folks, <laughs> it's over it's done with you will never hear me mention steel again with yeah. good reason that's all that's so, it yeah, that's it. Done steel. Done steel. <laughs> so, so, 
So if there's one thing that we take away from this, I will have to find a new bad movie to threaten. <laughs> oh, but, God. You know, but I will not be threatening you with steel anymore. <laughs> so uh, that means we got um, one final movie for uh, uh, Black Superhero Spotlight. Um, now, since this is your idea, since you came up with the list, uh, do you want to pick the, the last movie or do you want me to pick it? You can pick it. Uh, listen, you sat through steel. So <laughs> I, owe you, I owe you, man. All you right, well... I'm not going to be as cruel as you were. So I thought about doing Spawn as revenge, but I decided I'd be nice. I mean, you mm. didn't give me Deadpool 2 for Christmas. So I figured um, let's go with Blade 2. Ah, the best of the bunch. The best of the bunch, yeah. So I figured we're going to end the end this month on a high note and go on a high with, note, yeah. With a, with a good black superhero movie. Oh, one, one of the best. One of the yes. best. Yeah. Uh, not only a good superhero movie, a good horror movie. Well. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, effectively blends horror and superhero heroics into a near perfect mix. And action, or, too. Like, this, and that, yeah, that, oh, one of the best action movies yes, I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. And some of the best one liners, right? Like, you know, you got it's, it's a, entertaining as hell it's funny as hell it's it's just it's a, a very movie. funny movie it is yeah it also, it's a very funny movie it 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 comes damn close to being comedy you it, know it does yeah yeah especially when you got uh ron perlman riffing all the time in it. ron perlman i was about to say yeah i mean ron perlman yeah he walks away with a lot of the best one-liners in this yeah yeah and just his whole attitude and demeanor Yes. Yeah. So, so join us. Uh, join us next week. We'll conclude this uh, this month's spotlight on black superhero movies with uh, Blade Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the meantime, head on over to Facebook. Go to look up superhero cinephiles. Our Facebook group. We got a Facebook page as well. Like those things, uh, please. If you like the show, um, rate and review it uh, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube because the more subscribers we get, we the more people get to see this. So, and tell your friends. Tell if your you friends. Like yeah. What, if you like what we're doing, you know, share it with share it with uh, you know your friends. Right. Yeah. And uh, superherocinephiles.com is our website, and we're on Twitter and Instagram uh, at supercinemapod on both of those. And that does it for this week. Uh, thanks so much for listening, for watching, and we'll catch you next time when we talk Blade Two. Okay. Thank you for. Thank you for suffering, folks. Yes. I love you. Yeah. I appreciate you. I will not do this to you again. <laughs> God bless. You have been listening to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Super Cinema Pod. Join our Facebook group by searching for Superhero Cinephiles, where you can interact with us and other superhero fans. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a regular supporter at Patreon or make a one-time donation through PayPal, both of which can be found at our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com. If you buy or rent any movies through the Amazon links at our site, it helps support the show. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.